0: I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your weekly fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, Solomon writes, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Now in this verse, Solomon's contrasting the mouth of the righteous with the mouth of the wicked. Jesus actually expanded on this principle a bit in the book of Luke, where he says, How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now a lot of people love to quote this passage as a means of supporting the idea that we shouldn't judge any Anyone else? Jesus wasn't teaching us not to judge here, however, nor was Jesus saying that we should only be concerned with our own sin, but not the sin of others. Rather, Jesus was teaching his followers to judge right, to judge correctly, to judge in a non-hypocritical way. Jesus continued in this passage, saying, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. That's from verses 42 through 45. Now the principle here is that the righteous will speak out of the righteousness in their heart. The mouth of the wicked person, on the other hand, speaks wickedness. Solomon says that the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. In other words, the wicked person will smile at you and claim to be your friend, while in their heart they're only looking out for their own best interests, even if that means taking you down. Jesus was telling us the same thing, but was elaborating on it, revealing for us that the condition of a person's heart can be judged fairly accurately by what comes out of their mouth. In our next verse, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, Solomon writes, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. You see, there are two types of people in the world. There are those who like to stir up trouble and those who are peacemakers. We have two options to choose from whenever someone sins against us. We can choose to have strife against them, or we can choose to forgive them out of the love that's overflowing in our hearts. It's the age-old tension between mercy and wrath, but the choice is, is ours to make. If that which fills our hearts dictates the courses of action that we take, then the person whose heart is filled with love will choose to forgive. On the other hand, the person whose heart is filled with strife will consequently seek to stir up strife, choosing to hold a grudge or to hold animosity toward anyone who sins against them. John said it this way in First John chapter four, verses seven and eight. He said, "Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves." is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then he'd continue urging his readers, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. While it's not always easy to forgive, the person who knows what it means to be forgiven out of love, because God forgave them out of love, should have no problem choosing forgiveness over strife. In our next two verses, in Proverbs chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, Solomon writes, On the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. The contrast that Solomon is making for us in these two verses is between the lips of the wise and the back of the fool. What is it that clearly identifies a wise person? Solomon says their lips speak words of wisdom. Likewise, the foolish person will be identified by the fact that they frequently find themselves on the receiving end of a severe scourging. The fool doesn't have any respect for authority, or anyone else for that matter, and thus their mouth gets them in trouble all the time. In Solomon's day and culture, there was little to no tolerance for talking back to someone in authority. Solomon's telling us that the rod was made for the back of the person who doesn't know when to keep their lips sealed. That's contrasted with the lips of the wise and discerning where we'll find wisdom rather than egotistical foolishness. Consider the wisdom of Jesus, who chose to be silent when facing false allegations from false witnesses who were misquoting him and took what he had said out of context. Matthew records saying, the high priest stood up and said to him, do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. You see, out of wisdom, Jesus only responded to people who spoke truth rather than stirring up strife by arguing with foolish people who spoke lies. This concludes Lesson 1. Lesson two. In Proverbs chapter 10 verses 15 to 16, Solomon writes, The rich man's wealth is his fortress. The ruin of the poor is their poverty. The wages of the righteous is life. The income of the wicked, punishment. In this passage, Solomon sets forth one of the simplest contrasts for us to understand, the fact that there's an incredible danger that someone who has riches will worship their riches, trusting in money to shield them. Those in poverty, on the other hand, face no such danger. People with money have power, they have influence over others, and they rightly attribute their status to the fact that they have money. Thus, on at least a subconscious level, there's this tendency within people, for the wealthy to find their own self-value and their self-worth in their money. God wants us to find our value and our self-worth in the fact that he loves us more than we could ever imagine. He looked at humanity and he declared that each individual person was worth dying for. God sees past our finances and sees the futility of riches. Money can't buy love. Money can't buy respect, but it can buy someone who's willing to act like they love and respect them. Money can't buy happiness. Money can't buy health, holiness, or heaven. It can only buy a game of charades. Nevertheless, Solomon tells us that the rich man makes wealth his fortress. At best, This is a very vulnerable castle to live in, since everything that we own will be out of our possession forever within less than 100 years. So with that in mind, the righteous would rather hold their blessings with an open hand than a closed fist, using their resources to bless God's kingdom and thereby putting their resources towards something that will last longer than they do, something that will count for eternity. All that matters to the righteous person is that they have eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's ours forever once we trust in Jesus for our salvation, and nobody can take it away. Solomon wants us to remember that that's the only thing that you can take with you from this life. Solomon then concludes this passage by reminding us that the only thing that the wicked will take from this life is punishment. In our next verse, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. Solomon writes, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. You see, the most obvious outward sign of a rebellious heart is someone who continually insists on doing things their own way. The person who ignores the advice from people who have traveled the same path that they travel is bound to face incredible difficulties. Sometimes, these difficulties will only serve to break a person's rebellious spirit, and they'll come around once they come to the dead end of doing things their own way. Other times, however, those difficult periods in a person's life will cause them to become apathetic, bitter, or cold-hearted, or a combination of all three. This person is contrasted with the person who's on the path of life. The trademark of someone on the path of life is that they heed the instruction of others who have traveled the same path before them. One of the more interesting things about being a a dad, being a father, is watching my son go through the same stages that I myself once went through. He's experiencing circumstances and situations that are unbelievably similar to so many uh, situations that I myself also had to navigate when I was younger. Sometimes correctly, oftentimes incorrectly. But I've made my share of poor choices and I don't want to see my son make some of the same mistakes that I made 25 years ago when I was his age. 25 years? And things haven't really changed that much. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon reminded us that there's nothing new under the sun. So with that in mind, it's important that we take the advice of people who love and who care for us and our well-being into consideration rather than letting their advice go in one ear and out the other. In our next verse, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18, Solomon writes, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Now we should notice, first and foremost that this is one of those proverbs that Solomon gives us in the second section of the book, which actually doesn't have a contrast. Instead, Solomon's showing us that one action can have multiple consequences. In this case, Solomon tells us that the person who keeps hatred built up inside of themselves without releasing it and without forgiving will end up lying. Think about it. You can almost always tell when someone's angry with another person or with you. It becomes obvious in their actions and their mannerisms the natural thing for a person to do is lie they'll say no I'm, I'm not upset at all with so-and-so or with you and the result of storing up this hatred in the heart results in lips that lie with increasing ease once they're able to lie about their feelings the next natural step is to spread lies about the person they're angry with or the person that they hate when i contemplate some of the ways i've seen this principle in action i'm reminded of atheists who not only don't believe in god they hate God. Maybe they blame God for something tragic that happened in their life, or maybe they think that God should have done something to benefit them differently in some way. Either way, when an atheist slanders God, or even Christians, it's obvious that they're concealing hatred in their hearts. That hatred will almost always be greater than the heart is capable of concealing. It'll become more and more apparent as it spills out of a person's mouth and life. This concludes Lesson 2. Lesson 3. In Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19-21, to Solomon writes, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many. Fools die for lack of understanding. Here in this passage, we find Solomon using a total of three verses to draw out a contrast for us. Have you ever had someone insult you? And it left you just totally speechless. And then maybe sometime later you think to yourself, Oh, that's what I should have said. Now I have the perfect thing to say. If only I would have thought of this in the moment. And I think it's safe to say that most of us have had moments like that at some point or another in our lives. Once we've had time to think about things and mull things over, it becomes a lot easier to to know what we should have said. Solomon's telling us here that the wise person restrains their lips. They don't say the first thing that comes to mind, because it's rare that the first thing that comes to our minds would be the most intelligent or most insightful response. The wise person is too busy thinking about and considering their options to spew out the first thing that comes to mind. One of the problems with saying the first thing that comes to mind is that it often results in stepping on someone else's toes. Solomon reminds us that if there are many words being spoken, Someone is going to end up sinning against someone else. Transgression against another person, or worse, God, is unavoidable when many words are being spoken. Solomon then goes on to tell us that the tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. Now, silver naturally comes with a lot of impurities in it. It's not just pure silver, there are a lot of other things in it. When it's raw, it's hardly choice silver. It's only by putting a chunk of silver through a process of refinement that it becomes choice. In ancient times, silver would be heated until it became liquid. And when this happened, the impurities would come to the surface. Once the impurities surfaced, they could be fished out of the silver. And this process of refinement would continue until the refiner could clearly see his own reflection the silver. The person who learns to restrain their tongue has very likely gone through a process of refinement in the fire of the Lord's wisdom to get to the point where they learn to restrain it well. Compared to the tongue of the righteous, the heart of the wicked is worth little, Solomon tells us. The heart is the most vital organ of the whole human body. Once it stops, everything in the body starts grinding to a halt. Solomon's message here in this passage is that it's better to have a righteous tongue than a wicked heart. Having a wicked heart will result in wicked things pouring forth from the tongue, but a righteous tongue is an indication of a righteous heart. In the next verse, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22, Solomon writes, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Now, Many false teachers out there would try to have you believe that this verse is speaking of material wealth. And this ideology actually just boils down to this. If you have enough faith in God, God will reward you by blessing you. If God blesses you, your bank account will reflect that blessing. Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. One would only need to read the book of Job to see that even if God blesses someone materially, There can be sorrow added to it. Job had everything that a person could possibly want in this world, but it was all taken away from him, including all of his family, except for his wife, who is revealed to hate God through Job's trials. Job had immense faith in God, but still felt immense sorrow. The gospel message, the good news, if there ever was any, is that by trusting in God's only Son, Jesus Christ, you will be spiritually blessed beyond measure. What greater blessing could there be than God's forgiveness and to become one of his children rather than remaining a child of wrath who lives under the curse of sin? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that the believer in Christ has already received every blessing in all of heaven. What greater blessing could there be than to live in victory in the here and now? What could ever bring about sorrow in light of that this concludes lesson three lesson four in proverbs chapter 10 verse 23 solomon writes doing wickedness is like sport to a fool and so is wisdom to a man of understanding now what do you enjoy doing Have you ever considered the fact that many of the things we enjoy reveal a great deal about what's going on inside of our hearts? Solomon is telling us that a fool loves doing wickedness so much that they practice it regularly, just for kicks, for fun. It's like a sport. It's not something that they do accidentally. In fact, it's often something that they plan. Why? Because they enjoy it. Doing wicked things brings them pleasure. On the other hand, Solomon contrasts this with the person of understanding. For this person, wisdom is enjoyable. Wisdom is like a sport. It's something that they practice. It's something that they do. It's something that consumes their minds and gets reflected in their actions. And when I read this, I think of some of the stories I've heard and read of what the Nazi soldiers did to the Jews in the death camps. For the purposes of sheer entertainment, the Nazi guards would torture and often kill their Jewish captives. At some of the more depraved and sadistic death camps, the guards were given the freedom to do whatever they wanted. They'd beat the men, rape the women, they'd make two prisoners fight and reward the last one standing with breadcrumbs. And these are just some of the milder things that happened in the death camps. The fact that the Nazis were fools was made evident by the fact that they thoroughly enjoyed practicing wickedness. Whether wisdom or foolishness fills our heart will be made evident by the things that we enjoy. In the next verse, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 24, Solomon writes, what the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Now the contrast that Solomon is making for us in this verse is between the fears of the wicked and the desire of the righteous. And before we look at the differences between these two things, let's take a moment to think about what they have in common. More importantly, what similarities is Solomon hinting at? And I think that the one thing that these two contrasting positions have in common Is certainty. Just as certain as the fears of the wicked will come in due time, so too the desire of the righteous will be granted in due time. The contrast that Solomon's making is between the degree to which the object of either position welcomes the outcome. The wicked person fears the inevitable outcome of their position, whereas the righteous person desires their outcome. It's possible that this verse was actually intended to be read specifically in light of the previous verse. In other words, we should probably take note of the fact that the evil things that the wicked enjoy are followed by a horrific and undesirable consequence, but that the consequence of being wise and righteous is desirable. As Psalm 37, verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that God is some kind of cosmic sugar daddy that just wants to give us everything that we want. Instead, we should understand that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, we'll desire the same things he desires because we're being conformed to the image of his son. Finally, in the next verse, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25, Solomon writes, When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Here in this verse, Solomon contrasts the longevity of the effects caused by the wicked with those of the righteous. Now, what do a whirlwind and the wicked have in common? They're both temporary, but they can both cause a great amount of damage. Some people are the same way. They don't live in this world for a long time, none of us do, but they leave evidence of a catastrophe in their trail. The righteous, on the other hand, are able to withstand the storms that come because they have an everlasting foundation. Jesus likened the person who trusts in him to the person who builds their house on an unshakable rock and contrasted that with the foolish man who builds his house on sand. And when the rough times of life come, the person who trusts in Jesus remains steadfast. But the foolish who build their house on anything other than him will find themselves washed away. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this has been your weekly fix of wisdom on org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This message has been brought to you by Podcasts.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us... in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep growing closer to Jesus.